I'm up here during all this worship going, okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Because I've already said, Lord, if you want to just, you have the service and whatever happens, happens. You want the message to be preached. It's, it's really a tough dilemma when the Holy Spirit gets to moving and stirring. And, and what really makes this wonderful is when you come and this worship team is prepared, not only musically, but they prepared themselves spiritually through prayer. Prayer is, a much as their, prayer is as much a part of their practice on Monday night as the actual singing and worshiping and learning of new songs and getting ready for Sunday services. Prayer is very important to the choir and praise team. And I think it's obvious and evident. They're not performers. They're not entertainers. They're worshipers. And they're there to lead us in worship. And we thank Pastor Larry and all of them and the musicians. I always want to call them magicians. It's a slip of the tongue. But sometimes they are kind of magicians when they pull things off the way that they do. But anyway, uh, what a wonderful ministry that God has given us here at World Outreach Worship Center. I want to talk to you today, this morning, about a way out. A way out. Anybody need a way out? A way out of something? Only two of us? Wow. Oh, okay. Way out. This is participatory, okay? This is confession time, participatory, so you're okay to do that. Uh, so I want to talk to us about a way out, us, me too. I want to talk to us about a way out, living by the Spirit today. How do we overcome temptations that we all face at times in our life as a believer? We all face them. You're going to face them every day. I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, when is this going to stop? And, you know, the Lord can be real, give you a real direct answer. He said, when you die, when you draw your last breath. I said, really? He said, yeah. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we can't live overcoming temptations, but I did say temptations will always come against us, okay, until the day you draw your last breath. But that doesn't mean you can't live a life that's overcoming temptations, and that's what today is about, to give us some thoughts and keys about how do you overcome the temptations that we all face. And there may be very well a re reoccurring temptation in your life, in my life today, that when the Holy Spirit, I believe in this message, is going to bring that to your mind or those things to your mind. But there's, there's usually typically a recurring temptation that you're facing in life that plagues you no matter what you do. Sometimes you find you can't stop doing something. We say things like, well, I just had to, or I was out of control, or it just happened again, or I can't stop. I prayed about it, and nothing happened. I've tried, and I can't stop doing such and such. But here's a scripture that we're going to use as a launching place today. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 and 13, God is faithful. Isn't that good news? God is faithful. Come on. God is faithful. Amen? He's faithful. And the other part of that good news, he'll not let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. Or another word for bear is carry or handle. He really won't. He won't let you be tempted. I know you feel like he lets you go beyond it. You know, you see on a truck going down the highway, if you follow them, and if you follow them close enough, that's called tailgating. But if you follow them close enough, you'll see on the back of that truck or trailer, load limit. Whatever pounds or tons. Well, somewhere on the back of us or on us, each one of us, there's, a, there's one of those signs that the Lord knows it's there. Load limit. This is what they can bear. This is what they can carry. This, this is it. 
And it says uh, very simply, he will not let you be tempted. Now, God doesn't tempt us. Amen. We got that straight. God tests us to see what's in our heart, but he doesn't tempt us. So it says God steps in when we're tempted and says he won't even let you be tempted above or beyond that which you're able to bear, carry, or handle. But when you're tempted... Temptation comes from the devil, James tells us, and other places in the Bible tells us, and the everyday life tells us. When you got your perspective right, you know it's not God tempting you. You realize it's the devil. God would never, it says God would never tempt us with evil because he knows we can't handle it. And God's not mean. God's not cruel. If God tempted us, listen, there'd be none of us sitting here today. (laughs) We'd already been gone a long time ago. But when you're tempted, which comes from the enemy or your flesh, And when our flesh gives a door to the enemy, as Paul said, give no place to the enemy. When we give place to the enemy in our flesh, in our mind, in our thinking, that's when the devil can move in. The enemy, the demons, cannot tempt you or move into you unless you give place to them. Now, they may attack you, but if you know how to handle that attack, you can successfully resist the attacks like the Lord Jesus did and as we should be learning to do. So he said, but when you're tempted, God will also provide a way out, a way of escape so that you can endure it. I heard it said years ago, God's going to give it, but you've got to look for it. You can't just, you know, use the example of Joseph. Joseph in the house of Potiphar, when he was gone and everybody was gone and Potiphar's wife was Sister Lust. And every, it says every day she pulled on him talk to him, to lie with her, to have sex with her every day. Now, that gets pretty rough on a young man that's, you know, that gets rough. But it says Joseph resisted, and one day she literally grabbed hold of him. And instead of Joseph saying, I've tried, Lord, every day, but she's got a hold of my coat. You know, she's got me. Instead of doing that, Joseph came out of the coat and ran. We need to learn to, like Paul told Timothy, flee sin. Flee. Run from it when you have to. Not just, you know, so God gives a way out, a way of escape, but you and I've got to be willing to want a way of escape and then take the way of escape that God gives us. Amen. So you may be tempted to complain, but there's a way out. You may be tempted to compare. You're dissatisfied. You're envying envying others. You're jealous. There's a way out of that. You may be tempted to overspend. There's a way out of that. Leave your money and your credit card and your checkbook at home. But except for when you come to church, we're spend giving to God. You may be tempted to worry. Oh, that's a big one. We worry about things that typically never materialize or happen. We spend more energy, effort, and thought. You may be hooked on social media. I am. I try to pull back and I try to not get to hook. You know, uh, even during my devotional time, I don't know about you, but during my devotional time, temptation comes. Check the weather. Check the text. Check the email. Check the gas, buddy. See where the best prices are close to you. Then your phone, that's without it even dinging, binging, or, or showing alerts. And then it's like, check the news. I said, no, I don't, need, I don't want to check the news now. I don't need bad news. I need good news from God's Word. That's, that's happening while, I don't know about you, but that happens while I'm even trying to spend time with God. I have to fight that. I have to resist it. Social media. Some people are, you know, they're, they're, they're connected. They're hooked on gambling. Somebody probably in this congregation betted on the Kentucky Derby yesterday. Went to a gaming place. Some, some you know, the, they're, uh, they're tempted to smoke or drink something looking at inappropriate or something inappropriate at some time. Well, 
You can't, even, you can't even look at the internet news without some stupid picture, wrong picture, inappropriate picture popping up. I said, what has that got to do with what I'm looking at? Nothing. And people say, well, it's because you looked at something before that it, it knows that and it pops it up. I wasn't looking at it. It's just a devil trying to get you. Just flick, pass back that. No, not going to see that. Don't feed the eyes. That's what today's about. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. So don't blame God. It's your flesh. Come on now. It's, it's our flesh, and it's us giving place to the enemy. But God will provide a way out so that we can endure it. The challenge is, is when we try to stop doing what we know we should not be doing, that's the challenge. Well, we know, I, I need to quit this. Man, I need to get victory over this. I, I, need, I, don't, I need to not do the wrong thing. I need to not do the wrong thing. I, I need to focus on the on. I, I need to stop focusing on the wrong thing. Well, scriptures tell us not to think on the wrong things as one plan of attack to have victory against temptation. But it also tells us think about the good thing. Here in Philippians four eight, whatever's true, not a lie. Whatever's honest, whatever's just pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue, which means if there's any excellence to that, if that's a good thing, he said, and if there's any praise in it, think on those things. What a challenge that is to our mind every day to think on good things because we are constantly bombarded with the negative. Negative bad cells. It's told, it's broadcast, it's tweeted, it's text quicker. Bad stuff, bad news gets out quicker than good news does. You know that. In our effort not to think about the wrong thing, we typically end up thinking about the wrong thing. Now, I want you to trust me right now. This is a little experiment, but I want you to trust me. This is a safe place. Ladies, if you feel unsafe, pull your pocketbook to you. But I want you to trust me for a moment. I want you to close your eyes. No cheaters. No peekers. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to trust me. Close your eyes. Don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. Now open your eyes. There he is. When you try, didn't some of you visualize that when you had your eyes closed? I told you, don't do it. I mean, it may not look like goofy up here, but some of you may have saw, saw, saw a real elephant that was pink. When you try not to think of something, what happens? Our minds tend to go to that negative thing. It just, and scriptures teach us rather than trying to, th- trying to think of not doing the wrong things, to do the right things. Galatians 5.16 says this, and this is coming off 1 Corinthians 10. Galatians 5 says this, I tell you, here's, here is how we overcome the negative. Here's how we overcome that which we're tempted by. He, Paul said, I tell you, live the way the Holy Spirit leads you. Live the way the Spirit leads you. Then you will not gratify the evil things your sinful self wants to do. And what that is saying is focus on the right things. And you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh that lead you to sin. Whether the desires of the flesh. It's the cravings of our sinful nature that we're born with. There's no way out of being born with that sinful nature it, it, we're, we inherit it. It's our DNA from Adam and Eve, their rebellion. 
They represented, it's called a federal headship of man. That's what the, the, theology calls it, the federal headship of man. They represented us in the garden. It didn't matter if their name was Bertrice and Oscar. I'm just picking names. If somebody's got that name here, don't be offended. It didn't matter what their name was. Their choice is what affected all of us. We all have to live with that. That's offensive to a lot of people. That's probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks we all have to face is to admit, I am a sinner by birth, not because of what parents did, but because of the bloodline that I inherited from Adam. So because of those desires of the flesh, those cravings of that sinful nature, we all are dealing with that on various levels in our life. Amen? There's a war going on. When you try to live for the Lord, when you try to do the right thing, there's always something, some voice, someone that comes in the middle of what you're trying to do and knock you off course. Every, try, every time you make a new commitment to the Lord, there's a challenge from the enemy. There's a challenge from you don't even recognize it's the enemy because he disguises himself. It says he doesn't appear with a red horn and red suit and a pitchfork. The Bible tells us he can appear as an angel of light to deceive people. He comes even through a family member sometimes. Peter spoke the words of the enemy to the Lord Jesus when Jesus said, I've got to go and be crucified. And Peter said, no, Lord, not be it so. It was the Father's plan for Jesus to be crucified. There's a war going on between what the Lord wants you to do and what your sinful flesh wants you to do, that nature. But if you walk by the Spirit, you will not be as tempted I said, you'll not be as tempted to do the wrong thing. Look at verse 17. For the flesh, which is that natural, that sinful nature, our flesh desires what is contrary to the walk of the Spirit. That's what it means when it says the Spirit. And the Spirit desires for us to do what's contrary to our flesh, our, our sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. Has anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody got conflict going on? When you try to do the right thing, there's a battle going on. When you're trying to overcome a temptation, when you're trying to come over, overcome something that, you know, it's, a, it's a hereditary or you're trying to overcome something that, you know, you picked it up and you picked up a bad habit and you wish, man, I wish I'd never started doing that and you try to overcome it. There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. Listen, the greatest enemy I have is myself. Greater than the enemy. If I could control myself, I'd tell the devil to jump in the lake, swallow a snake and jump in the lake. Is that how that saying used to go? And don't come up with a belly ache or was some, whatever. Whatever stupid stuff we used to say. Sticks and stones, break my bones, but word would never hurt me. What a lie that is. That was just a psych up to try to overcome it. The Spirit of God helping us to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not when you die when you die, is going to take care of itself. You're going to be changed and like Jesus. No more sin. You're going to be like him. Thank God. Hallelujah. We're talking about the battle is real now, in your life now. This is where we need the help of the Holy Spirit. In heaven, it's going to take care of itself. We're going to be changed and transformed. I need help now. I don't know about you. I need help now. My biggest problem is myself, my flesh, my attitude, my thoughts. Bringing them under submission and control in in, in Alignment with the Holy Spirit. There's a conflict going on in every one of us. There's a conflict going on in your heart, mind, and spirit right now sitting here. Well, I know I need this, but yet I man the oil in the car and, and I didn't finish the house. And 
Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul speaks of this dilemma. Thank God he found a way out of it in Romans 8 in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is another message. But Paul speaks of this dilemma when he says, I don't understand why I act the way I do. <laughs> That's me too. That's me too. I don't understand why I act the way I do. A lot of other people don't either. He said, I don't understand why I act the way I do. I don't do the good that I want to do, but I do the evil that I hate. Is anybody honest enough here today to admit that's me? I struggle with that. That's not me all the time, but that sure is me sometimes and a lot of times. Anybody, anybody honest enough today? You're not going to get anything from God unless you're honest, so come on. Lord, I raise both hands. That's me. And you already know it, but Lord, I'm just confessing that's me. We can relate to this. You want to read your Bible every day? We started out in January. I encourage you. We gave you Bible reading guides. I won't take a survey or a poll here. We, you know, the effort was let's read our Bible every day. Let's read the Bible through the year, you know, and, and do it. Not, not as a punching the clock or punching a thing, say, oh, what, look at what we did. No, because we need the Word every day. I've got to have His Word every day. I need, I need an attitude adjustment every day. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself today. I need an attitude adjustment every day. I need good news of God's Word every day. I need the rebuke. I need the correction. I need the encouragement. I need the Word of God every day. And I got a sneaking suspicion and hunch, so do you. Because you fight your flesh like I fight my flesh, and there is a devil out there. But I don't want to overemphasize him because he can only do to us what you let him do. He'll, he can only get away with his shenanigans when you let him. Because the greater one lives in you. If you know Jesus and Jesus is Lord of your life, the greater one lives in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. I want to read the Bible every day. So you read it for three days and you quit. Some of you already quit. Well, just listen. There's grace. There's mercy. Just start again. Just start where you are. If you feel like, well, I can't start on day one because we're on day whatever today is, May, whatever number of the year. Just start there. Just start there. That you do it is important. Uh, you know, we say, well, I, I know I need to read and, and I know I need to pray. I know I need to hella, have fellowship with God. So you start, but... Something happens and you don't keep your time with God. You get busy. You stay up too late, so you get up. You stay up too late, so you get up late, so you're in a hurry to get to work, so you don't have time with God. And then you get in that trap and you get disciples. You fall into condemnation. You, you get cold. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get cold. You get to where you're trying to operate, live under your own ability. And all of a sudden, about day three or four, everybody around you says, you know, surely you stink by now. What is wrong with you? And you come to the realization, I haven't had my, my time away with God. I haven't had my time with God. You'll tell it. Your spouse or your family will tell it. And pretty soon people all around you would tell it. You want to stop overspending, but the shoes were on sale and you could not pass up that deal. You, you had to save money. Some people want to exercise, but there's a 10% chance of rain. Well, what's weird where you exercise is inside, not outside. What's the rain got to do with it? I want to do the right things, so I don't want to get mad at my husband. I just threw those new shoes I bought at him. I don't want to sleep with my boy and my girlfriend again, but it just happens. I don't want to do these wrong things. I want to do the right thing, but the wrong just keeps happening because it's too powerful for me. That's it, isn't it? 
That's where we are. That's where we live sometimes. That's where we struggle. Why is the flesh such a struggle? What you feed grows. What you starve dies. It's real simple. When you feed your fleshly desire, your desire to sin grows. It never stays the same or is stagnant. You cannot control sin. Here it is. There's my sin. It won't get any bigger. It won't get any worse. I control it. How many of you know that's not true? How many of you know you tried to control it and it becomes uncontrollable? Why? Because you feed it. You know, these people, recently I saw this thing. It was an 18-foot python. I think the guy named it Bertris. And it was on the roof. It got loose. And it was on the roof of a garage, and it was terrorizing the neighborhood. Terrorized my neighborhood. I'm sorry. If you like to keep snakes like that, I'll tell you how to keep it. Away from me. Because I have a square point shovel, and I can swing it, and I can stab it. I'm sorry, but my I just won't go any further with that. Because there's probably somebody here watching that. What are you talking about? My... Falls in the I'm not going there. Help me, Holy Ghost. Stay on. I can get in trouble. So everybody in the neighborhood was freaking out. But this guy said, this snake, I've had it so many years. I mean, he had to have for 18 foot. This thing was huge. He was laying on the ground. He was laying beside this snake. I said, the only way I could do that is I would have to be dead. I'm not getting that close. But and, and he, he, that thing started out as a little pet that probably just maybe held in his hand or wrapped around his arm. This thing would wrap around, I don't know how many people, 18 feet. Gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about being near it. It started out small, but it grows because why? They feed it. People, been, people their children lately have shown up, and all of a sudden their kid, you know, kids go through these growing spurts. And they're, they're little, and all of a sudden the next time you see them, it's like, Good night, you're almost as tall as mom, dad. And they go, yeah. I said, you know what? You know why this happens? You keep feeding them. When you keep feeding them, they keep growing. We think that we, think that we can just, you know, keep sin controllable. But it always gets out of hand. It's said that sin will always take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will always cost you more than you want to pay. Always. Sin has that nature to it. And when you, but when you feed your spirit man, woman, person, get gender correct, you grow stronger in your intimacy with God. And you experience power to overcome the desires of the flesh. You know, when I, came into, when I got born again and came into the church... The church has been notorious for telling you what you can't do. Don't do this. Can't do that. Christians don't go there. Christians don't do that. Well, I heard all that. And there is truth to that. There is validity to that. And for me, I had people tell me, and they'd go to Revelation. They'd point out the the thing in Revelation that, you know, people that involved in pharmacia drugs, you know, would not inherit the kingdom of God. And and that's, that's where I was before I was saved. I was doing drugs. Well, I knew that when I got saved and had to quit. But they were just making sure I knew the church was on that, took that stand. I said, I, I know that. I, I, I understand that. 
But what that did to me, and what it typically, and this is what religion will do to you. Religion will focus and hammer on the no's, the don'ts. Don't, don't quit, stop, don't go there, don't chew that, don't look at that, don't do, don't, don't, don't. And we get more of the don'ts and we get more of the negatives than we do the positives. Now, the don'ts are necessary. I'm not discrediting them, all of them. But if that's all you're doing is the don'ts, then all you've got is rules and regulations and you don't have a relationship with him. Do I have a healthy fear of hell? You better believe it. I do not want to go to hell. But my relationship with the Lord has grown and I feel like matured now. I don't, I don't serve him because I'm out of, I, I still fear hell. No, I don't want to go there. But my relationship is, is matured now. I don't want to displease my father and what Jesus has done for me. I want to be a good son. I want to be an obedient child of God. I want, I want my, some of the words in these courses today. I know that they're not Bible verses, but yet the truths and the principles of them come out of the Word of God. I want my life to count for Him. There's nothing else that matters. Is, is Him and my life counting for Him. So instead of thinking no, no, no all the time, what you must do is feed your spirit, man or woman, so you can be strong to overcome the desires of the flesh. And I got into that vein and that religion because I didn't know any better and I wasn't mature enough that everything was a no and everything was a don't until the Lord began to deal with me. I was having trouble. I had some issues. I had some temptations. I had some stuff even though I was forgiven, even though the blood of Jesus cleansed me of those things, even though I was going to go to heaven when I died or be with the Lord when I died, even though that was true and I knew that, I still had some baggage. I know nobody else in this room or listening has baggage. I had some baggage that I was not overcoming and temptations I was not dealing well with. And the no's and the don'ts, every time it's just like the pink elephant. Every time I said, no, don't look at that. No, don't think that. No, don't, don't enter that. Don't go there. Every time I'd say no, it would get worse and it would get stronger and bigger. Because I was majoring on that negative. And all these rules and blockades and things I had set up, sin doesn't know that it's not supposed to cross those things. It jumps fences and the Holy Spirit finally starts saying, if you're going to grow in me and if you're going to live for me, you need to focus more on being filled and letting the Holy Spirit fill you more. You need to focus more on your relationship with me. You need to focus more on your prayer life in reading the scriptures. And, that, and that's why we tell people, and we do it. I don't do it. I don't, I, don't, I don't read the Bible to punch a card with God. I don't pray to punch a card, time card with God and say, oh, God, you're a good boy today. Amen. To earn points to go to heaven. It doesn't earn points. I read the Bible and I pray, and you should too, to stay alive, to stay strong, to stay vibrant in God. Because there is, you have a flesh and you have a devil that will operate on that flesh to keep you away from God. To stop you from fulfilling the destiny that God has for you to do. Because when you don't, there's shame there, there's embarrassment, there's condemnation. Those are the tools and fear. Those are all the tools the devil works off of. That when you're not strong in the spirit, the enemy works off that shame, that guilt, that condemnation, and that fear to stop you and cause you to be in effective and we end up we end up compromising we end up disqualifying ourselves 
It's not because God doesn't want to or can't use us, but you and I get distant from Him and we're not in a place where He can use us. We've disqualified ourselves because we've allowed the devil and our flesh to be in unity instead of God and us being in unity. All right. So we got to feed our spirit to be strong to overcome the flesh. How do we overcome the wrong sinful desires? Well, I want to tell you, it's only with the help of the Holy Spirit are you going to do it. It's not mind over matter. It's not setting up rules, barriers, blockades. We have to learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in order to overcome temptations. It's really only a one-point message right here. We have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. In witnessing to people, people say, ah, oh, being a Christian, that's, that's just a crutch. <laughs> I tell them, I said, you try it. We all need a crutch. We're all broken. We're all lame. We're all messed up by sin. We're all effective and left, left terrorized, traumatized by sin. All of us are. Even though you act, smile and act like you got to, your act together, sin traumatizes all of us. We need a crutch. And the only legitimate crutch is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's more than a crutch. He is a transformer of our life. And so the only way to overcome these temptations that we have is to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit next to receiving the gift of salvation, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift next to Jesus and salvation. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift from our Heavenly Father. I'm amazed when I understood this. Now, don't get me wrong and don't misunderstand me today, and please hear what I'm really, really saying. Jesus came for one purpose, to offer his life as a ransom, as a sacrifice, as a substitute, so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins, our sins could be dealt with in the justice of God, and our sins were dealt with. That was Jesus' purpose, to come to earth as a human being. He came just like you are sitting here today, a human being. He suffered every form of temptation, just like you and I did as a human being, but yet he did not sin. He suffered it as a human being. He did not draw on divine powers and say, well, I'm the son of God. You know, this doesn't even tempt me. He was tempted, it says, in every form, fashion, sin, just like you. You say, well, he's a man. How could he be tempted with woman stuff? He was tempted with the principles of sin just like we are. But yet, as a human being, he resisted those. Why? Because he had a relationship with his father. He spent time with God. That's why it said before daylight, Jesus would go out and pray. What was he doing? Fellowshipping with God, loving him, worshiping him, listening to him, receiving direction, receiving instruction for his life to be lived that day. Perhaps the father whispered to him and said, today you're going to meet a woman at a well. In Samaria, you need, it said, I read it today, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. The Jews didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans. They were half, the, Jew, the Samaritans were half-breeds. The Jews said, no. It says, Jesus said, I have needs to go to Samaria. Why? The Father, I believe the Father had whispered to him that morning in early prayer, you got to go there, you're going to be a woman at the well. See, Jesus operated in the word of knowledge just like you and I get a word of knowledge. When Jesus started talking to that woman, said, give me a drink. She said, you know, uh, who are you, to, uh, a Jew, to talk to a Samaritan? And Jesus said, well, if you, if you really, you know, I, I want to drink the water. And if you really knew who it was that was talking to you, uh, he could give you eternal water. And she goes, what? Our father Jacob, Abraham, this is their well, and da-da-da-da-da. And Jesus said, yeah, but 
if you drink of the water that I'd give you, you'd never thirst again. Then he got, well, give me some of this water that I may never thirst again. And listen to what she said. And so that I don't have to come back to this well. She didn't want to have to come to that well because when she encountered other women, she'd already had six husbands and divorced them. And the dude she was living with now, they weren't even married. They were just shacking up. They're just connected, as we call it today, hooked up. You say, yeah, you're right. He said, you told the truth. You've had, you've had whatever number of husbands and said, the, guy, the dude you're living with now, he's not even a husband. She goes, uh, you're prophetic. And listen, this is one of the few times, most of the time, Yeshua, when somebody recognized him, when the demons recognized him, he said, be quiet, don't tell who I am. When he healed some people, he said, don't, go, don't tell anybody, go to the priest. He, w- he wouldn't reveal who he was. But here to that woman, Samaritan, Samaritan woman, he said, he that is speaking to you is the Messiah. She'd made a statement about when the Messiah comes. He said, he that's speaking to you is the Messiah. Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 16. I love 14, 15, 16. I love all the Bible, but. Jesus died to get us back to the Father. Jesus went back to heaven with this promise of John 14, 16. I'm going to pray to the Father, and he's going to give you another comforter, Elos Paracletos, another one just like me, another comforter just like me. Jesus said he's going to be with you, and the good part, he's not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you. It's great to have Jesus with you, But there's time that now Jesus is not with us literally, but he is with us by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. When you're born again, your spirit is born again, transformed, comes alive. That's where the Spirit of God dwells. Your spirit, tripart being, body, soul, spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, rebirths your spirit. See, you're alive physically. You're eating, breathing, working, walking, talking, doing all those things. But you're dead spiritually when you don't have Christ in your heart. But when you're born again and Jesus is in your heart, you're alive, but your spirit is born again. What died in the garden, the death that God said, when you eat of this fruit, you're going to die. Well, they died spiritually. But then they died naturally, in the natural. They lived 960-something years long, but they did die, both physical and spiritual. But the spiritual was first. When Jesus came, the spirit was reborn when we accept him. But he lives in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to pray to the Father. He's going to give you another comforter that he will abide with you. For a week, forever. We talk about the Father, we talk about the Son. I'm not saying we worship the Holy Spirit, no. But the Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father and the Son is. The three are God. It's not three gods, the three make up God. The Holy Spirit, you got the Father who's decreeing and declaring, you got Jesus the Son who is the Redeemer, you got the Holy Spirit who is carrying out the kingdom ministry. What Adam and Eve lost in the garden, here's the good news for you and I sitting here today. What man lost in the garden, lost the presence and the spirit of God. And in the old covenant, it says the spirit would come upon man, but it didn't stay. But now, now in the New Testament, in John uh, 20, 21, Jesus breathed upon them, said, receive you the Holy Spirit. Why could Jesus say that? Because he'd gone back to the Father. He'd offered himself as a perfect sacrifice in heaven where Satan had sinned in heaven. Satan sinned in heaven. You got it? Satan sinned in heaven. Heaven needed cleansing by the blood of Yeshua. Then Jesus could could say, 
now I restore to you what, the, what Adam and Eve lost in the garden. Wow. What's that mean? What's that mean for you and I sitting here today? When you're a child of God, and then when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, God said, pick up the rule and the reign and the dominion on earth where Adam and Eve lost it. You are the inheritors. You are the agents. You're the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You now are to carry on with what Adam and Eve lost. We're to be taking dominion over the earth. Dominion over the works of the devil. Dominion over sickness, disease, people lost, people bound, people, you know, and your, your prayer, your prayer life. It's not punching a clock to say, oh, God, I prayed today. No, your prayer is relationship. Your prayer is like Jesus' prayer. Your prayer is you connecting with God, you agreeing with God, you praying what God wants to see in heaven, what is happening in heaven, what God wants to see on earth. Your prayer is connecting with that and aligning your prayer and your words. It's not, Lord, I need another car. He knows you need a car. And when, you, when, you know, when things are good and, and everything, you'll get that. But that's not shouldn't be the focus of our prayer. Our prayer should be kingdom work. People are lost. They need to be found. People are, are lost. They need to be witnessed to. They need to be told. You say, well, they reject me. That's okay. You told them. What they do with it is their responsibility. You're not the Holy Spirit. You can't convict them. You can't win them. You're just a messenger. And when you're faithful to be, listen, they can't even begin to think about and conviction can't even come until they hear you tell them. Angels don't preach the gospel. You and I are called. That's the privilege you and I have as a share with God, align, agree with God. You and I are the messengers, the ambassadors, the good news bearers of the kingdom of God. And if you and I don't speak it into people's lives, they'll never hear, they'll never know, and there's nothing there for the Holy Spirit to work with to convict them. They can't be saved unless... Somebody ministers, preaches to them, declare. Preaching is not just from this thing here. Preaching means you're out witnessing, declaring with your everyday life. That means you live a life. You're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect until Jesus transforms you. No. But we live such a life that is a glory unto God. We're doing our best to resist temptation. That's why you got to live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit every day, be connected by the Holy Spirit because people are watching you and they're lost and they don't know the way. And you're supposed to be the light that points. You're supposed to be the city set on a hill, not hidden under a basket, pointing them to Jesus. But when you're fooling around and you're messing around and you're living in adultery or fornication or you're smoking and you're token and you're taking and you're popping and you're cussing and you're fussing and you're doing all that stuff, they'd say, where's Jesus? You say you're a Christian. You say you show up in church. But where's the testimony? Where's the life? Where's the difference? Now, on the reverse of that, when you're walking in the Spirit and you're going, I'm just, when you're going through hell on earth, you personally as a child of God, and they know you're a child of God. They even know you're spirit-filled and you talk in tongues. Amen. And you're going through hell on earth and they see you whistling. They see you singing. They see you acting happy. They see you carrying the joy of the Lord. Even in the midst of the hell on earth you're going through, the bad marriage you're in, the hardship you're going through, the physical issues you're dealing with, what's going on with your family, what's going on. Even when they see you going through it, when you've got a smile on your face and a song in your heart and the love of God's rolling from you, you they say, I need what you've got. That's what the Holy Spirit's come to work in you. To help you and me get over our carnal, selfish, sinful nature. You can't do it alone. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. 
He is the power of God. And Romans 8, 11 says that the Spirit of God who raised Christ, Yeshua, from the dead lives in you if you're a child of God. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. A lot of people say, well, that's when you die. Well, yeah, it is then. But I want to tell you what, God's not, God's not concerned when you die. It's going to take care of itself. Listen, please don't misunderstand me. I love reading about end times and what's going to happen in heaven. But listen, it already says no eye has understood, no heart has comprehended what God has prepared for them to love it. It does say some of that stuff's revealed to us by the Holy Spirit here and now. Heaven's going to take care of itself. Eternity's just going to run. You, you can't understand. You and I can't understand it anyway. We need to be focusing on living for him in this life. Being a witness to him now. Don't keep putting off living for him now. Well, if he'd just come and take me, you better be doing what he's called you and left you here to do. Or when you stand before him, you're not going to have any fruit to offer the Lord. I can't get away from that subject. I told the, the council when we were praying this morning, everything that I hear out of the Word of God is about God is looking for fruit. And he's not talking about the trees. He's talking about our life as a child of God. God, as your creator, created you to bear fruit. And that's not just your kids. That means he's looking for some fruit, some spiritual fruit out of you that brings glory to him. That means souls that brings influence on people's lives that turns them from darkness unto the light of his wonderful son. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit's there to convict you, of, convict you and me of our sin, and we need it. God, God loves us so much, he won't let you stay comfortable where you are. And you've got to run a long way, and you've got to run hard to outrun the Holy Spirit. And then he comforts us. I need comfort. This world is messed up. It is jacked up and it's getting worse. But he's called us to be the light. But I need comfort in the middle of it. You do too. He counsels us. Listen, we're like Joshua said in crossing the Jordan, Lord, you got to go with us. We've never walked this way before. We're living in a time, we're living in a day. Mankind's never walked this way walk that we're it's crazy it's worse than crazy it's out of control and that's just what the scripture said it's going to be and then he guides us we need his guidance through this time we haven't walked this way we don't know what to do the holy spirit prompts he nudges he leads us when you need to make a decision you need guidance you need his help if you'll pray if you'll ask him if you'll listen to him if you're led by the spirit he will speak to you god's talking all the time we're just not tuned in properly and the Holy Spirit's not an it. Don't come to me saying, I got it. I want him. I want it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is God in, the, in, in spirit form who lives in you. Now, here's the good news. When you and I are battling temptation, and if you're not today, just hang on. It's coming. I know that's not good news to you, but I'm telling you, it's honest news. If you're not battling the temptation today, be thankful, rejoice, and thank God. But if, you are, but if you're not, hang on, it's coming. You're going to need this one day down the road in the future. But when you're battling temptation, you don't have to do it alone. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit in the presence of God is in you. And Romans 8, 12 and 13 says, You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Did you hear that? You have no obligation you're under no compulsion or force to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. The greater one lives in you. In verse 13a said, if you live by the flesh's dictates, you will 
die. That's pretty serious. That's some straightforward, serious language. Really? Really? If, if I'll die if I live by the dictates of my flesh? Is it that serious? Really? You know, how many of us today would agree that sin is fun for a while? Come on, be honest. It is. Sin's fun for, come on. Don't lie in church especially. Not good to lie anywhere. Sin's fun for a while. Even Abraham said that. He enjoyed, Hebrews says about him, enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin has a season. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's fun. At first, for a while. But sin always leads to death. Someone has said sin thrills and then it kills. Sin fascinates, but then it assassinates. And as you feed your flesh and its habits, that desire for sin, it's going to grow. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. And sin eventually begins to show outwardly. Oh, at first it's hidden. You can keep it under wraps. David did for about a year. Well, people knew, certain people knew. You can keep your sin hidden for a while. You can still play the game. You can still be a pretender. You can still get by. You'll know. God will know. Pretty soon your spouse, if you're married, will know. Pretty soon those that you're close to, they'll start noticing a change in you. I did in people that led me to the Lord. I came home from Bible college, and they were watching TV. And I'm not saying all TV sin, but they were watching TV addictively. And I said, Let's, y'all going to go to church? No, we don't go anymore. I went, what? These are the people that were with me the night that I received Christ. Christ found me. Loved them dearly. Love them still dearly. Pray for them every time the Holy Spirit brings them to my mind. They're precious to me. They're precious to me. God used them. God used them to mentor me when I had nobody. I said, what's wrong with y'all? We don't go anymore. I said, why? What's, what's, I couldn't understand that. I was in love with Jesus. How could, you, how could you live in the life you used to live and now found him like I did? How could you not want well, we, we still love the Lord, but we don't go. I said, what happened? Well, brother so-and-so, he's a retired minister. Brother so-and-so kept making, kept na- ride, ride me. The, the brother, I won't even call his name. The brother had hair, maybe a little longer than mine. And, and this guy kept, he was a retired minister. That, that old religious thing kept riding him. Oh, it's a sin for a man to have long hair. I said, boy, he really would have jumped on my rear end if he'd have seen me before. I, got a, I, had, a haircut, I had hair down to my shoulders. I hadn't had a haircut in two years. Now, I had by then, the Lord was dealing with me, and I was trying to do something to get relief from the Holy Spirit. But they, they quit. They, 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 I don't know where they are today. I used to try to connect with them going to Atlanta, but just lost, lost touch with them. Sin at first thrills, but then it begins to kill. And we don't, when we don't confess and get free, it grows in darkness. Sin grows in darkness, and it kills marriages. Some of you right here today listening. Your marriage is suffering because sin has entered into it. Sin kills intimacy with God, of course. God's of pure eyes even to behold or look upon iniquity. It's not, that God, it's not that God cuts us off. It's that you cut yourself off when you sin because God is holy. But it's so simple to get it right again. Sin kills between your children, family, friendships, separates Sin kills your testimony. What once was a vibrant testimony you had, and people looked at you and said, man, I want to, be a, I want to serve God like that lady or that guy does. Your testimony is gone because you let sin come in. 
Sin can kill your finances. <laughs> you go start doing stuff, and it's a little thing at first, and it grows. It gets out of control, and before long, you have taken everything that your family needs and depends on, whether it be drugs or whether it be gambling or whether it be paying prostitutes or what, whatever it may be doing. And your family's suffering and struggling. Your family's dying because you've let sin in the door. Sin kills your ability to have credibility. You lose your testimony. People, you say, yeah, I, I'm a, I go to so-and-so church. I know, that, I know that church doesn't believe that. What's wrong with you? You lose your credibility. You, you, you lose your credibility as a representative of the kingdom. Sin kills. Romans, here, Romans 8 tells us, in 13, 12 and 13, you don't have any obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. What that's saying, you're not bound by it any longer. You're set free by the blood and the love of Jesus Christ. You don't have to obey sin's urges pushing you. There is a power that you're given to as a gift from God, the Holy Spirit, that will quicken you, that will enable you. He'll convict you. Listen, when you start to do something wrong, the Holy Spirit said, don't, don't go there. You know, you don't go there. Well, Lord, I'm just going to be there a little while. The Holy Spirit said, don't go there at all. Don't say that. You, you hear that little nudge. You, you feel that nudge. You hear that little whisper. You, you feel that little what we call conviction, that little voice. We say, oh, that's my conscience. The Holy Spirit's working on you. He's trying to keep you out of trouble. He's trying to keep you pure. He's trying to keep you connected with the Father. Because if you, if you keep on walking past and you, you resist and you quench the Holy Spirit, you will end up offending the Holy Spirit. It's not that God quits loving you. It's you, put, you get yourself out of touch. You get yourself out from underneath the covenant with God. And when you do that, there's only two kingdoms, folks, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. If you don't walk in the kingdom of light and in covenant with the Father, you are an open target for the kingdom of darkness. And the enemy is like a lion prowling, seeking whom he may devour. He's just waiting for us, especially as a child of God, to mess up. Look at the leaders. Look at the people that you know, that you've heard about, that when they messed up, the enemy moved in and exposed them. It took them down. It took their family down. It took a church down. He said, we're not under obligation to do what the sinful nature urges. I'm sorry. I am going to take a few more minutes from school to ministry. You guys take a few extra minutes. But I, I, I've got to finish this. The Lord is going to do something here to, to today for those that are hungry. He said, for if you live by sin's dictates, you're going to die. But here's the good news. Here is the good news. Thank God there's good news. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. God told Adam and Eve, the day you eat of the fruit of the, the tree, you'll die. But God says, if you'll walk, if you'll live in my spirit, you're going to live. Not just in eternity, this life. It's not through your self-power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, you can put to death, the, put to death what, you, what uh, has been starving you, that relationship with the Lord. Today, you and I, God wants to give us a breakthrough. But the breakthrough will only come. Please hear me. The breakthrough will only come when you admit that you're powerless over whatever that is that you're struggling with. If you hide it, if you conceal it, Proverbs says it just comes to my mind. I don't know the address. Proverbs says that he that conceals his sin will not prosper. 
but he that confesses his sin will receive mercy. It's a good word. You try to hide it, you try to conceal it, you're not going to prosper. You, you've, you've made a covenant with death. But when you confess, you will be blessed. You'll receive mercy. I need mercy. So when you can have a breakthrough when you admit that you're powerless over something and you need help from the Spirit of God. You need a power that's greater than you have in your own. And this is what the Holy Spirit has come to do for you. Today, if you will allow, and it's all according to what you will allow. If you will allow the Holy Spirit to help you, you can be set free from being controlled by those fleshly desires, whatever form they're in. Today, I put in the bulletin, and thank you for those that inserted it last minute this morning. In your bulletin is a little slip of paper. I hope every one of you got that, Yes. What we're going to do is closing today, this is the altar call. If you would, take that out. This only works if you will allow the Lord to help you. But here's a prayer for you today. In reading that, you say, Lord, or I admit that I'm powerless over. Write your sin down. If, it's not, if that line's not enough, use the back. <laughs> We're not going to collect these. We're not going to take them up. They're not going to be seen by anybody but you and Jesus, you and the Lord. But there needs to be an admission today. There needs to be an honesty today. I admit that I'm powerless over. What is it that you're powerless over? that you know you need the victory over for you to grow in the Lord and be all that he wants you to be. And then you're saying, I believe that the power of the Spirit of God will heal, deliver, and make me whole. What goes in your blank, that blank for you? Is it, Lord, I need deliverance from the power of food, from materialism, from worry, from some type of sexual addiction, from some substance abuse, from even some prescription meds that I may be abusing. It's not that you don't need them, but you've ab- begun to ab- abuse those. You have to be willing to call it what it is and not pet it and play a game with it and pretend. Just like the dude that had the python when it was a baby. It was cute, maybe. When it's 18 foot, it's dangerous. <laughs> You're only as strong Listen to this. You're only as strong as you are honest. Sin grows in darkness. This is a powerful scripture that I came upon and I added it into the message. But listen to this. I don't even think it's in the notes. I'm not sure. John 3. Jesus speaking. Or, you know, John, but Jesus through the Holy Spirit. This is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness Instead of the light. Isn't that so indicative of the world today? But be careful. It could be describing your life and my life. Light is coming to the world, but people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light so that their deeds will not be exposed. Anybody who's afraid of being exposed or afraid or wants to keep it in darkness, you're going to stay in darkness. You're going to stay bound. But listen to this. I'm bold in this. But whoever practices the truth, did you hear that? Whoever practices the truth lives in, walks in. Whoever practices the truth comes to the light, is willing to come and say, Jesus, I admit I'm struggling. I got this addiction. 
I got this sin. I got this habit. I've got this issue, Lord. I can't. I can't get control of. It's got control of me. I didn't deal with it. Now it's bigger than I can handle. It's costing me more than I want to pay. It's keeping me longer than I wanted to stay. All of that, so that it may be, so that it may be made known that their deeds and what that word accomplished means, that they know that their deeds have been accomplished. What that means, you have victory through God's help. That's the only way you're going to have victories through God's help in total dependence on him. And then thank God for the scripture, 1 John 1, 9. It's one of the first scriptures I had to learn as a Christian because I thought I was going to just live a life, no more temptation, no more sin. First time it happened, it just devastated me. I said, what in the world happened? And I had to learn the scripture, 1 John 1, 9. If, if, very conditional. If we confess, and what that word confess means, if you agree with God, if you admit it, it says God's faithful. If you can admit your sin, if you can admit your difficulty, if you can admit your struggle, if you can admit it to God, then God is faithful and he's just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Today is a very decisive moment for some in the service or some watching live streaming or other, another time. Very decisive moment in some of your lives. I believe the Holy Spirit has put his finger on areas of our lives this morning. And he wants to help you. He wants to give you the breakthrough. He wants to give you the strength to break the power of that. If you've taken the time to do this, just fold it over. No one sees it. You know what it is. Maybe some of you couldn't even write it down. You said, Pastor, I don't even want to write it down. But you know what it is in your heart. Listen. This is a decisive moment for you today. You have to be willing to admit it and willing to give it up and willing to ask the Lord sincerely, Lord, I can't handle this. I've tried. I'm failing. I'm struggling. Nobody has to know what it is. There is no shame in coming to this altar. There's no shame in coming to this altar. I come to the altar. I got issues. I got stuff. Say, Pastor, aren't you perfect? Nope, I'm not. I won't be until I draw my last breath and change into the conform to Jesus' image. Neither will you. We need Him. We need Him to do a work in our hearts so that when we leave this place, we can represent Him. Pure hands, a clean heart. God, you know, God's self-sufficient. He really doesn't need anybody to exist. But yet God connects himself with us as human beings, his children, to represent him. What an honor and a privilege, but yet a very high responsibility to represent him before this world. He wants you to represent him. And we've got to do it in the right way. As Pastor Larry begins to worship, that's you just step out and come join me in the altar this morning. It's going to take a few moments here. This is the most decisive moment of this day that you'll make.